hello pod number whatever um talking about some stuff hope everyone is having a good day um i had a good day um my days are um weird i'm rubbing my eyes right now because i'm thinking about uh what i do uh in a day and uh i feel like this week has been um i think i'm coming more and more to terms with just how wide of a spectrum of things that i span um in responsibilities or what people are expect of me or think of me. I mean, I'm, um, I'm somewhere in between developing a mass communication plan in a MailChimp thing to having staffing discussions on, um, future staffing plans for certain teams or departments to, I'm just going to kind of go through everything I hit on today, which is not even everything. Um, yeah, staffing stuff to a quarterly budget meeting where we are asking questions about certain things based on trends and what risks we should be taking or jumps we should be making or not, uh, into looking at the next three Avenue music releases, um, timelines for them, scheduling each of the plots. There's all editing of live recording files is a whole thing. Thank God that's one of those is being outsourced right now to a buddy. Um, I got the guy who played all the guitars in the last two Casey Musgraves albums is tracking acoustic guitar right now for a single that's coming out. Um, sending those files around. I had to apply for a personal EIN number uh, through the IRS today, which is separate than like my social security number, which is typically how I would sort of operate bit my personal, whatever business thing or whatever. Um, yeah, staffing stuff, dealing with a personal family tragedy of not, not mine, but somebody else's. Um, and, uh, let's see. Um, Uh, I lost my train of thought. Somebody tried to open my door. Um, yeah, uh, ch- changing of, of plans at uh, last minute, um, things with church. Some things are last minute, some things are not some more hiring things. We're filling a position right now. Uh, then yeah, I mean, a bunch of random stuff. And then I'm like in my rig at, at home, like I'm actually actively producing and programming, um, a song for one of the Avenue, one of the church releases. Those are usually the last two nights have been midnight nights for me working on church music stuff, just getting files in a place, either the, you know, the, the 50 gigs of live stage recording tracking files organized enough to be able to start shelling them out to people to record or edit to, um, and or getting stuff in place for somebody else. Yeah, to kind of, yeah, just getting all the sessions together. And like, so tonight, all, up until right in the last, up until about half an hour ago, it's currently 11 p.m., uh, was programming on this song that intimidates the crap out of me. 
from a programming producing side it's just so sensitive um put a really small microphone all the way up against the strings on my acoustic piano and hit it really hard with uh preamp gain into an 1176 um for layers running through the sound toys crystallizer it's actually a really cool layer i'm actually really stoked on it um but yeah this morning is mailchimp and the afternoon is quarterly budgets so yeah sat through a leadership meeting with all of our department heads talking through our working genius assessments um yeah budget meetings staffing meetings and then putting microphones on pianos and hitting a bass drum really softly with a mallet um that was my day and yeah it's like 11 i feel like i can finally like all right i'm not working right now but oh i we had to book a flight for somewhere i'm going it's a really quick trip out um to nash nash vegas um had to book that anyway i don't know why i'm telling you all the stuff on my day but Okay, maybe it's because I'm procrastinating having um, this discussion with nobody. Um, this one's a little bit of a tough one. I, I've, I've kind of been postponing entering this one just because it's kind of a touchy subject for a lot of people that I know. Not so touchy for me, but um, I don't know. I've also been trying to formulate my thoughts around how I'm going to kind of get in and out of this, but I'm, let's, I'm going to talk about race. Oh, brother. Um, you know, there's this, um, I, I've mentioned, uh, before my love for Dr. Jordan Peterson. Um, I'm going back through his biblical lecture series again, and it's just so unbelievable. I just have, he is going to go down in history in the same breath as C.S. Lewis. I think that is, that is my guess is that his contribution to, uh, religion at large, but specifically Christianity, uh, it would be, will be akin to that of C.S. Lewis. I think when all is said and done. Um, he makes some claims and he is drawing from things that are just unbelievable. But anyway, in that, in that series, I mean, it's really, it really is 30 hours of him talking and I'm not kidding. Um, it's a 30 hour series of talks and, um, at the beginning of it, he sort of sets the stage by saying, uh, my intention with this is for me to learn more. And that's, that's him, him talking. He's saying he, his intention is that by the end of this, he has learned more and he is giving a speech in front of thousands of people. I don't know how many were at this, these events. I mean, this thing's old. I mean, th this biblical lecture series, just for, if you are a JBP head, the biblical lecture series and his take and all that stuff was before 12 rules for life. So at this point, this man is not famous. This man is not rich and famous. He is a college professor. I mean, at Harvard or wherever, I mean, it's like a prestigious university he was, um, teaching at, but he's given these talks long before, you know, the world sort of recognized this man's um intellectual contributions but um so i suppose that's kind of how i'm approaching this race top this this topic is um maybe I, I i'm getting i'm formulating my thoughts 
I'm probably verbalizing a lot of these thoughts for the first time out loud right now. And this is kind of, that's kind of dangerous, especially with a topic like this, especially with a topic like this that um, people die over. People have died over this and not few. And I want to respect that. Wow, that actually hit me. That's serious. Um, it's fun. It's funny at times. That's uh, it's part of my brand is making fun of it. I'll be you know open and honest about that. Uh, I stand in a unique place, being in between two of the pro- most prominent races. I would say in sort of the West, the Western culture, which sort of runs the culture of the world at the current moment. Um, I'm neither white nor black. Um, sort of, I've been able to ride that line of enough of both. Uh, to maybe have a unique perspective. So maybe that's why uh, I'm going to offer my perspective. Uh, Maybe that's why I feel like I can in a safe way that's not overly demonizing to either side. And this is not just about white and black, but uh, I do want to formulate some of these thoughts a little bit as I go, which again is not dangerous. My wife is perpetually concerned that I will say something that will get me uh, either fired or canceled, which might happen. Um race. Um, I feel fortunate for the race I have. Um, I feel grateful. Um, I think it is unique in a lot of situations. I mean, mathematically speaking, it is not unique. I think India just crossed China. Um, if I'm, I could be mistaken on that, but my understanding, I read that somewhere. I think that India just passed China in global, um, population um hmm. i suppose i mean the conversation really is race in a uh, this is not a conversation in in india this is not really a conversation in china this is not really a conversation in africa in places where it is one poor and two monolithic um, predominantly monolithic. Um, I would say India, uh, America is statistically and mathematically speaking more monolithic. I don't think you can necessarily get away from that. Just the stats of how, how many Caucasians or white people live in America. Uh, but it embraces diversity along the racial line in a way that is unique. I think to human history however old you think humans are which is a debate for another time uh however old you think humans are and how we've been interacting with with ourselves and or in an organized society um i don't i think you could make a pretty strong case that america is the first um society and culture that is openly pushing for diversity among race and elevating its value um and i think with that obviously has come great beauty and uh, contribution but has also caused i think some of what we've seen um and i'm not saying that it's not worth pursuing because of that i'm just um this has never been done and i think we need to address that or at least um be aware 
of it in the scheme. I mean, let's say even if you think on the short end of the spectrum, humanity is 6,000 years old and society popped up a few thousand years ago as far as, you know, the Fertile Crescent and Mesopotamia, the god Murdoch, you know, like that that whole thing that from modern day society where they were the first time we gathered together and there was sort of low-grade socialism, meaning... Um, some people cooked and some people hunted and some people took care of homes and some people built things and like, you know, just society. However old do you think that is? Even at its youngest, it's thousands of years. Um, at its oldest, it's way older than that. Um, and I would say, I think you could make a safe argument that not, not being overtly tribal based on appearance is new that's a new phenomenon um and so i think the conversation is maybe for me being brown in a society in which we are trying not to be all one thing and have placed high value on being um you know on on diversity for diversity's sake um, which is getting is a different debate, but, um, you know, I grew up in nineties stuff, textbooks, you know, all you nineties kids, you're going to remember all the textbooks and just the blatant overt, um, diversity that they would push. I don't, you know, I don't know if you remember that or think about that stuff, but like all the pictures of, you know, your high school kids in the little textbook thing, there was a black kid, there was an Asian kid, there was a, you know, white kid, there was a Hispanic kid, there were always, like urban setting or wherever they were hanging out doing something like it, it was pretty clear um, as far as my generation that like we were, we were diverse and no matter what race you were, you were accepted and there was value. And I think also I this conversation for me, like I'm, I'm sitting in, in, in a, like in America, you know, in, in the era I just happen to be in um, where it's been valued um and yeah, I, yeah, I'm not going to beat that horse. Um, I will admit, I mean, I have said this before jokingly and it's still kind of a joke, but kind of not a joke. Uh, I'm the whitest Indian or brown person. I think anybody has ever known. Uh, I'm gonna stand by that. Yeah. You know, I think my, um, intuitions, uh, I, I don't, I don't think about my race. I don't, I don't think I lead primarily from my race. And I think that's probably what I mean by that is I'm not looking at every corner to see if this uh, is offensive or not, or if somebody's accepting of me, I think my just natural inclination is on, on whatever spectrum is very close to what most people's is. I just happen to be Brown. And I think that's helped me in a lot of ways. Um, it's, it's, hurt me with some who have expectations of, of me that I, as a brown people, wave the brown person flag at every corner. And I just, I, I, it's not me. It's not my thing. And I don't care. Uh, I don't care enough. I haven't, I haven't gone through enough racism uh, overtly, I would say, to feel the need to pick up that flag and wave it as a primary identifier of myself or a primary problem that I need to solve. Like, ah, nope, I've been, you know, racially abused or whatever, um, over years. Uh, and 
I, I need to fix that problem. You know, that that's not that's not the thing I'm doing. That's not my my banner or whatever. Um Hmm. I'm trying to think where to go necessarily with this. Uh, I'm going to get, I could get into a couple things that could be offensive, I think to some, to some people, but uh, maybe that's the point. I don't know. Um, I'm going to talk about the time I got uh, like for sure racially accosted where I, I, they, I got called the N word and so did my kids. Um, Hmm. You know, it's not an overly emotional experience for me to relive. Uh, it happened. So, I, um, and I, yeah, I just have a lot of thoughts. This is kind of why I was hesitating even getting to this topic, but I, I'm going to get into it. Um, I'm tired, so I apologize if I feel like I'm, my thoughts are not as straightforward or linear. But I'm talking about it. Uh, this is the the year is 2020 uh not that long ago moving from miami to here where i live now dallas ish south of dallas midlothian texas to be specific um i you know i i've been made fun of it only happened once. There's only one time I can I can feel like I I was actually made fun of for you know being Indian or whatever. Um, yeah, that was, that's only that's only one time that I feel like that's happened. Um, every other time, it's always like a joke with everybody. It's like a perpetual joke. You know, if you know me well, and we have we've definitely probably made that joke. You've made some comment to me, and I'll give it right back to you. Like I have absolutely no like real serious feelings about that you know I, yes if you know me and you've been around me for probably longer than 30 minutes we've probably made an indian joke um but i've only i've only been actually like made fun of legitimately like outside of me also being in on the joke like one time um when i was a kid uh at, at a mall <laughs> the mall um it was just really two super tall like black athlete kids and we were just all in the same footlocker together and uh they started laughing, and I knew what they were laughing about. I, yeah, it's fine. It is funny. What do you, whatever. Um, it's, it's 2020. I'm driving in a U-Haul. It's me and the two boys. We're in a U-Haul. Uh, uh, my precious wife uh, is smart enough to have flown ahead uh, to, to Dallas, which she did, um, and she was staying at like a um, at a hotel downtown, like having cocktails on the rooftop pool by the pool. Um, and I was uh, absolutely mugging it through going from all to the end of America, South Florida, all the way through Florida up through, we went to New Orleans, went that direction, um, slept in Tallahassee, slept in New Orleans and then straight from New Orleans here. Um, I have a 40 foot U-Haul, the biggest U-Haul you can find and it's full to the brim we've already sent two pods of stuff out ahead and i've got a trailer with the with on the back of that 40 foot u-haul with our suv which is that so that that whole trip was just goofy it's me the two kids and our dog in a straight in a bench on a 40 foot u-haul um wild trip um trying to yeah whatever right you can only go so fast um 
you know, can't go with the trailer and everything. And so anyway, so we're South Florida all the way through. We And we stopped. I don't remember exactly what the name of the city was. I want to say it was Florida City, but I don't think that's right. And this is North Florida. So it's before um, it turns to the, to the Panhandle or whatever you call that thing where it turns over to like Pensacola and all that. Um, but I'm heading into Tallahassee. So I forget the name of the town. I, um, it's outside of Tallahassee. But this is, you know, you cross out of South Florida, out of Miami, out of like into Broward County, and you're like, oh yeah, this is Florida. Because Miami is not Florida. Let's be clear. Everybody I know from Miami will also say the same thing. Miami is not Florida. That's okay. Miami is awesome. But it's not Florida, which I honestly i'd liked about it in my time living there i liked that it wasn't like overtly florida um no offense if you're a floridian but we're in florida florida up there in the north part this is you can just feel it it's gatorville type energy it's 11 p.m we pull up to a gas station fill up gas um, before another like leg, there's another probably hour or so to get to where, wherever we're going to spend the night. It's late. Um, and I stop, you know, pull up to the thing to get gas and Jaden walks into the gas station to go use the restroom, um, get some snacks or whatever. I think he's just, I think he's just using the restroom and he's walking back and I can I hear some yelling I hear some guys like like talking loudly like louder than you would just be like laughing at each other or just talking to each other like they're they're kind of yapping and I look and they're saying some stuff that I can't quite make out and then I look again and Jaden is walking back from the gas station back to the truck and they're from what I gathered in the moment and I, I don't think i was wrong because even he would Jaden would say the same i think they were talking to him um or, or talking at him um not in a way that he would respond or did respond he didn't uh, i think he was confused and he got back to the truck and he's like hey did you he's like dad did you hear that i'm like yeah yeah i think i heard that i think i heard a few words that i could make out that i didn't love um and Liam's in the car. I think Liam might have hopped out and he was standing next to me outside of the gas station. And then they they see where he walks, which is to us, me and Liam. And we're at the gas pump um, at, you know, 11 p.m. There's not many people out. Um, and they keep talking. Um, it's, and it's, I want to say it's five, um, five dudes, maybe six. And what would be like an like an old Bronco, like a OJ Simpson era Bronco, where it was like a, it was either that or it was like yeah, a truck. It was like sawed off, like they because you could they were all set in the back. It was like a Jeep. I can't quite remember. Anyway, it was like an open vehicle to where they all got in the car, but the car wasn't really closed. Like they were all all their heads were still sticking out because there was like no top. And they kind of hop in the car, and they're still talking. And, um, they kind of back up the car, you know, closer a little bit to us and kind of start driving off slowly. And they're all just looking at us and I hear the N word. Um, that's all I could kind of make out, but I, 
I don't know what I was thinking, but I kind of like, I got a little yoked up and I did not break eye contact. Um, if you know me or if you've ever seen me kind of get hot, which not many people have, it doesn't happen very often, but if you push me into that zone, I can be in that zone. Um, like I, I can get crispy with you and we're going to figure this thing out. You know, like I'm not one to really, I'm just not really one to back down a lot. I didn't, I didn't, you know, don't necessarily know that about myself until you, (laughs) until I found out. Um, but it was kind of like, I was ready. Uh, you know, I had the two boys and the dog with me and it's like, um, I don't know how smart that was or not. I didn't say anything back really, but I absolutely was staring at all of them and they were staring at me and talking and talking louder and saying certain words. And I, I don't know if they expected to say a few words and me to like look away, but I did not. And, um, they essentially then just peeled out, pulled onto the street and then they were at, they hit the street. They were at a stoplight still talking still yapping from the street, like 75 feet away, like not close anymore. Um, but still talking. And when I say talking, like, yeah, not, not pleasant things, not, Hey, hope you're having a great trip. I see you're moving. Did you get insurance? Uh, no, it was not pleasantries. Uh, and that's the only time that has ever happened. Um, I will also say that is the only time, this is a bit of a tangent, but that's the only time my race has not benefited me. Uh, Indians have, are assumed the best intent and I need to say on record, I don't know what it's like to live a life where the best is not assumed of you because of your race, Uh, which has happened for a long time, not just in our country that sort of um, has attempted and pointed at and tried to be not racist, but all over the world, Uh, it has happened I think historically more to black people. I don't think that's an unfair statement to say um, that a negative assumption, like the worst being assumed of you, or at least the not, not the best being assumed of you due to your skin color or your, or, or race has probably happened disproportionately to black people. And I don't, I knew in that moment what that felt like, but that was the only time. And I want to make that clear. There's no, this is not a woe is me. You know, I've had a hard racial go. It is so not true. That is so not true. I have not had a hard go because of my race. And I have friends that have picked up the race um, flag to wave it as sort of the thing like that they feel like is part of their duty to, ha- to handle. And I absolutely no, no like qualms about that i have don't i don't think i'm not saying that they shouldn't be doing that like i have they have my full support um but me saying as a brown person that i have not had a hard go in america is i is hard for some of my friends to hear um 
it is also probably hard, equally hard for some of my friends who are white um, to hear that what happened to me happened to me. Um, now, I'm going to back up, I, not back up, just, I guess the question maybe you might be asking is, what did I do after that? Ah, boy. Uh, this is the part that, uh, <laughs> I think could be a stumbling block for some of you listening, all, uh, uh, point three of you. Uh, if you are listening, I you know, this might be the part that you disagree with, but what I did not do was talk about it with my kids. Uh, we did not speak about this. We haven't really spoken about it. Um, I th- there's been, I think, a time or two where one of the kids will... Jaden is probably the only one who's really was really at that point to like remember that situation. And even then I think probably his, his memory of it is more blurry than mine just cause he was 13 or whatever. Um, we got in the car. I made a couple jokes. I waited for them to leave and I turned on the car and we went and we didn't talk about it. Uh, we still haven't really talked about it. And I don't know that I intend to, although clearly I'm sitting on a couch with a microphone telling, you know, a bunch of people that this happened. Uh, And Jay, if you listen to this, which you won't, because you're not listening to your dad's podcast, because dad's not cool. Um, Yeah, we can talk about it. I'm uh, open to, but here's why. Um... I think I would have failed them if I had opened up the can of, or at least opened up the subject of, see, see, can't you see um, how people view you? See, I told you so. If I would have gone there, I think it would have caused irreparable damage. What I chose to do was let the sheer number of positive interactions they will have with all other people, but particularly in this case, white people, completely outweigh and shape their view of their place and race. Not one instance where we as a family draw a line uh, as to uh, in order to reinforce how different we are from I'm going to just say and this for this case which is white people because as it stands still I think America is still like 80% white or whatever maybe slightly less I don't know what the exact number is but as long as we're living in this country our our net number of interactions with humans is going to be significantly out like it's going to be white people um and i chose not to take that opportunity to double down on our differences 
I'm still choosing to play the long game that the only thing that matters here is merit. Because I believe that. I legitimately believe that. Uh, are there, is it harder for some? Yes. I, 100%. I, I don't think that it's an even playing field. Um, I do think redlining happened. I do think there were, there are certain things, there are significant disadvantages. I mean, the average like generational wealth gap between, you know, you know, different, different races, namely black and white due to the ability to own homes. I, mean, I, 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 trust me, I'm hip to <laughs> the data and the discussions. And it's, it's just typically not one I engage in, um, just because it's typically nuanced. And anybody who's engaged in that conversation is entering it to fix the other person, not to listen for the most part. I do have those conversations sometimes, but only in settings where it, everyone's listening. And that's, a, that's, a, that's rare, unfortunately, these days. Um, you know, that situation too, this is 2020, Trump is losing at this point. And I would say, um, as, uh, the train of capitalism rolls by the house, we'll see if we have a nice captain or a nice, whatever conductor. He hasn't blown the horn too close. Yeah. He's a nice guy. Some of these guys already they're they've gone nuts with the horn. Um, I would say part of what I think as I have processed that interaction with, you know, this group of what would 19 year old, 20 year old, you know, boys, um, in North Florida, you know, it, they, they, there was definitely a stereotype that was like acting out there. There was a hundred percent of stereotype, even the way they were dressed and so on. Um, it's hard for me to believe that this wasn't somewhat tied to what they assumed about me be and my political stance because I was Brown and what they felt, um, either representation wise or lack of representation, or maybe the guy who was their guy, uh, is being voted out. And, you know, it's looking like, you know, the, the, the party's coming to an end. Um, as far as that's concerned, you know, I, it's just kind of, I, I don't know. I have no idea if that's true or not, but that I, I, I think I can go on record and say, it's a, probably probably played into it just the tension i think the tension between white and anybody else i think uh, during that time obviously we had gone through the george floyd stuff but this is on the back end of that this is past the protest so you know i think anybody yeah that that racial thing was hard at that time for everybody um you had to choose that that was the hardest part is you had to pick a side and pick a side now there was no room for nuance. There was no room for discussions along the lines of uh, racial things. Um, you had to make a stand. And yeah, I think that probably sent people like me who are probably more centrist um, further into their caves, um, which it did for me, I'd say. Sent me further into my cave, like having to choose and not being able to have a nuanced discussion about it. Um, just sent people like me who have differing thoughts on both sides, that both sides are wrong, both sides are right. Uh, it sent us into a cave. And so as a discussion, I wasn't, I wasn't having much of anymore. Um, but I think that played a factor into that interaction. Um, but, you know, I think as far as that experience goes, compared to the, what, millions of interactions with white people that I have a day 
and obviously anybody of any other race that I have or in a year, the millions of interactions I have in a year with people of all kinds of races, people I know, people I don't know, people I work with, people I don't work with, um, that are of all skin colors, but primarily white because of just the sheer statistics of where we live. That one interaction, that one, you know, two minute situation compared to all the other times I've spent talking to other people, of course it, I'm not going to demonize an entire race or like, it would be ridiculous. And I felt that that was a risk at that point with my kids to open up that can necessarily, because I feel like neither of them have any, like all their friends are white and it's not a thing and you know, whatever, like, um, it's fine. But I, I would have hated to at that, at such a young age instill in them to look for it, to look for the gap, to look for the difference, to look for how they treat you, to look for how, and to even call them they, I mean, how unbiblical the, the wise prophet Bono once said, there is no them, there is only us. And if you have a biblical worldview, those people that you know, yelled at us, at those, that's not them, that's us, man. And I think probably what hurt the most was not, I think I did hurt for my country. I think in that moment there was pain for like my family, uh, a little bit of fear, a little bit of, nah, I should probably have a gun. Um, I don't. But a bunch of things, but I think as I process it, I mean, again, I told you, hey, I'm processing this stuff out loud. I think I hurt for my nation. Because it's just not us. Just be yelling at brown people calling him and words at a gas station. That's not us. That's just not, that's not our thing. America. I'm talking about America. I'm talking about my country, you know, a country that I watched my parents like stand in a stadium in South Houston and take the, you know, do the pledge of allegiance in a, in a room full of 15,000 other immigrants had the papers in their hand took the test waited the 10 years did the whole thing went through all of the things you know and they stood there and they stood and did the pledge of allegiance my mom was crying um this is my country and i feel uh an ownership over it to the extent that i should it's called personal responsibility and I think among the things that when I look at back at what that, that situation, I think among the things that make it hurt, it's that I hurt for my country in that moment. Anyway, I'm over time. Uh, I suppose I had more thoughts <laughs> on the race topic, but there was one poignant story, clearly. There's one instance that I could probably point to and boil some stuff down in. And yeah, I knew I wanted to talk about that at some point. I didn't want to talk about it today. I, I was putting it off, but there it is. Bye. Bye.